When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. On the 26th of January, happy Australia Day to anybody listening to us from Australia. John Paul taking our calls this morning at 0818 103 103. You can text or WhatsApp as well to 0862 103 103. And I just want to start by just offering deepest, deepest sympathies to the family of that little boy in uh, Skibbereen and that tragic accident that happened uh, yesterday in the driveway of the house and it's just beyond belief what that family must be going through uh, today and just to say that our thoughts and prayers are with the family and may that little boy uh, rest in peace because I think the death of a child in any circumstances is utterly heartbreaking but in a tragic incident like this it just raises I think that heartbreak just to an absolutely different uh, level so thoughts and prayers are with all of the family and everybody affected uh, by that terrible 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 tragedy in uh, Skibbereen. Now I can already see a number of thoughts and comments coming in about the situation in the Ukraine and Russia and what's going to happen and how we now in our own way are kind of implicated in all this story with our fishermen deciding to try to disrupt the Russian military exercise which is expected to happen in February bearing in mind February is only next week away and we will be talking about it in more detail on the programme today so keep your thoughts and comments uh, coming and I will get back to them but on a good news uh, story according to the Central Bank the good times are on the way uh, back Ireland's economy according to the Central Bank Ireland's economy will boom for the next three years now consumer spending that's going to play a huge part in the strong growth which is expected to average about 6.5% a year until 2024 and of course that consumer spending there has been so much savings during the pandemic and they're now expecting that most people with restrictions being lifted people are going to get out and about and people are really going to start uh, spending and that certainly will add to the boom the spending will oil the wheels of domestic firms you combine that then with export they, they say we could get an extra 167,000 jobs created in this country 
over the next three years. And it's the central bank's first quarterly economic bulletin of 2022. And it's offering this very rosy picture. And it means the budget is forecast to go into surplus in next year, 2023. And that will be two years earlier than had been predicted the budget to go into a surplus. Good news for workers. They say wage rises are set to outpace price increases over the next three years. And with the number of price increases going on at the moment, many workers will say they can't wait for those wage rises uh, to kick in. However, we do have higher electricity costs. We do have higher home heating bills and they're likely to stay. Energy costs are unlikely to fall back from their current levels, although the central bank reckon they'll stop spiking next year. But we have another year of them continuing to rise and then obviously they'll level out and the hope will be that then they will start to uh, fall. The central bank say we really have an economy that has very strong momentum and it's expected to get back to potential, back to full employment position. And they're predicting full employment could be back as early as uh, 2024. And again, that would have been much earlier than was expected. The economy is set to recoup its pandemic losses uh, this year, ghost gross domestic product is set to rise and of course uh, it also went up last year and Ireland was the only EU country to see a positive gross domestic product gross domestic product during the pandemic, during the main year of the pandemic, at uh, 2020. Uh, now, inflation, that will average 4.5% this year, but they say it'll fall back next year, 2.4%, and then it'll fall back again in 2014. Employment set to grow by an average of 6.9% up to 2024. And looking in through this spring bulletin, the quarterly bulletin from the from the central bank when they're looking at employment they reckon that the reason employment is going to grow one of the driving forces is going to be the record number of women heading back out into the workplace and they say that's probably as a result of wages going up but also the fact that there's more flexible working conditions now now being offered and was offered during the pandemic and we know we'll talk about remote remote working a little bit later on as well on the programme and that's obviously giving a lot more flexibility to women who may need to to stay at home but would like to work as well maybe would like to work part time or would like to work from the comfort of their own home and still be able to do whatever child minding or caring duties that they need to do so the jobless figure is going to fall back this year it'll fall further next year and they reckon by 2024 we'll be back to uh, what we define as full employment so the boom is back that's the message from the Central Bank and I suppose fingers crossed and let's hope that we don't blow it this time. There's a survey out this morning that I have to say from myself and John Paul when we were talking in the office before we came on air tickled our fancy and it is to do with many of the old sayings that say our grandparents or our parents would have used many of these sayings. I, I certainly, I, have, I don't know if I use them a lot but certainly I would have heard them but there's a danger now with the younger generation coming up, that many of these sayings are now rarely used 
in modern conversations and the fear is that some of these sayings will die out completely. And it was a survey that was done of 18 to 50 year olds and it found that 78% had never heard the wise old saying pearls before swine. That was the top of the list. Now I have to say I had to Google pearls before swine because I had never heard that. It means, you know, giving something of value to somebody who really isn't going to appreciate it. That was a new one on me, I have to say. I hadn't hadn't heard of that. But like 60% were left baffled by a nod is as good as a wink. 56% said they'd never come across the saying, don't get your knickers in a a twist. 60% said that they'd never heard, oh, I dropped a right clanger there. While 70% were unaware that pip-pip is an old-fashioned way to say goodbye. Again, that's, I'm wondering, is that an English saying? If there's anybody from England listening to us, would you ever have used or ever have heard your parents or grandparents using the phrase pip-pip as a way of saying goodbye uh, to somebody? And uh, when then when people were asked about these sayings and the fact that they hadn't heard of them, the majority said that they wouldn't like, that it would be a shame to see these very old uh, sayings uh, die, dying out. The research suggests seeing a man about a dog, having a gander or a chinwag, spending a penny are all destined for the history books as the old fashioned slang is disappearing. While the older generation may have talked about dodgy goods falling off the back of a lorry, uh, dismissing rows as a storm in a teacup, referring to a decent person as a Sure, he's a good egg. Today's emoji-led generation are clueless over what was a very descriptive use of uh, language. And this survey has reproduced the 50 once popular sayings that they feel now are uh, in danger of being lost, including ones like put a sock on it, pardon my French, chuffed to bits and that takes the biscuit. They're afraid that they're all going to be gone. But as I say, the top one that came out, pearls before swine, I certainly have never used that one before and I had to Google it because I'd never heard of it. Nail your colours to the mast. That's one that's uh, dying out. Um, Know your onions. Never heard that one. I don't know what that one means. Stitching time saves nine. Yeah, I would have heard of that. Um, that one I won't call out because it might be offensive to some people. Uh, a fly in the ointment, keen as mustard. That's a new one on me as well. So maybe I've, I've just, some of these I've never heard. A flash in the pan, I've definitely heard. A load of cods wallop. Now, a curtain, a curtain twitcher. I take it that that's a nosy neighbour, is it? A curtain twitcher. Knickers in a twist, we mentioned that. Dead as a doornail. That's uh, a right dog's dinner. Uh, you couldn't organise a pee up in a brewery. We've, we've, I, that one certainly, I think, is still quite common uh, enough today. Not enough room to swing a cat is one I certainly would have heard. And toe the line. Popped her clogs. Would have heard of that. Um, Steen my thunder. And one that I certainly use. That person is a few sandwiches short of a uh, picnic. If you've got any others that you feel old fashioned things that you just don't hear anymore. Are any of those ones that I called out like know your onions are keen as mustard are pearls before swine. 
Are they ones you would have heard or would have used? Uh, let us know. John Paul taking your calls. 0818 103 103. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Now I've got, certainly got people going on these old sayings and this survey that is out that's showing a lot of the old fashioned slang sadly is disappearing and it's true a lot of these old fashioned sayings they were very descriptive and it would be a real pity wouldn't it to see them go completely and because so many people today were all texting and whatsapping and emojis are being used probably to describe what a lot of these old sayings did in the past. And it's it's a shame if we lose that descriptive language. Um, Jim says, when you've sown what I have reaped, come back and talk to me. Ah, that's a very clever use of words. Uh, thank you for that. Hi, Trish. My dad had a saying, the light is on, but nobody's home, says Pat in uh, Mallow. Uh, hi, Patricia. My dad used to say toodly pip and cheerio as informal ways of saying goodbye. He used to say toodly pip, pip on the fo- on the telephone, says Fran at the end. Yeah, toodly pip. I think I've heard of that rather than pip pip to, to, and cheerio, certainly. Whereas a lot of people on the phones now, when you're hanging up, we all know somebody that will end a phone conversation with bye, 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 bye. And there's a load of byes <laughs> I think that's still very common. Uh, hi, Patricia, says Tom, stepping out with somebody. That's a very old fashioned saying that you would rarely hear today. Who are you, who are you stepping out uh, with? Uh, Jim and Bannon colleagues says, Patricia, another one for saying goodbye was toodly peck. Yeah, so that or toodly pip, which is a little bit like the other one that came in there. Uh, don't count your chickens before they're hatched is an old saying that you don't hear that much today. Hi, Patricia. The saying pip pip would have been toodly pip, meaning goodbye for now. And it was used in English, England by posher people. <laughs> we'll all stop being pop posh now. And when I say goodbye to John Paul today, that's what I'll be walking out the door saying pip pip. Um, how about a shift, a shift or a 50? A shift, when you get a girl to say, to stay dancing with you for the night, it was known that you got the shift. A 50 was where your date never showed up. I have a funny feeling that somebody getting a 50, I think was a cork saying. And the reason I say that was I remember over 30 years ago now starting this programme and John Green at the time used to be on in the afternoons and he one day started telling me about some girl or some woman I think that was interviewing and he said I remember giving her a 50 and I looked at him and said don't know what you're talking about and that's he said the date he gave her a 50 or she gave him a 50 I can't remember the date never showed up and then a jag says this person was when you got a date with a girl so a shift was when the girl stayed dancing with you for the night a 50 was when they didn't show up and a day and a jag was when you actually ended up on a date and uh, Jackie in Tupot House says my late father's favourite saying was I'm not as daft as I'm cabbage looking. Now that's one I've never heard of Jackie. I'm not as daft as I'm cabbage looking. 
and Teresa in Cove said, oh, this is our Know Your Onions because I that was a new one on me. I never knew what Know Your Onions was. And Teresa says, Know Your Onions is a phase she said that she clearly remembers her grand-aunt u- using and it meant that somebody was very aware or had knowledge of something, that they were particularly good at something. So I did a quick Google search, uh, Teresa, not that I doubted your grand-aunt for, for a minute. And you're right, if, if somebody is, it said like, John Paul knows his onions about radio, it means you're experienced in something or you know a lot about a practical subject. So it means you're very clever. So if somebody says you know your onions on something, that take take that, believe me, as a compliment. And when I said one of the ones that came out in this survey, as a lot of people saying that they'd never heard of it, knickers in a twist. <laughs> I thought everyone have known that. I got a text in saying, sorry now about this. Well, what does knickers in a twist mean? If if I was to say to somebody, you got your knickers in a twist, it means somebody who gets very upset about something that really isn't that important. So normally you'd say to somebody, don't get your knickers in a twist you know, about that. It's just something that really wasn't that important, but people could get very upset about it. So um, what else is coming into us? A bit of... <laughs> Many women in North Cork says this. Is that a gentleman texting me saying you would say about someone there's a bit of a want in her? Okay. Um, Hi Patricia Noel saying you're like a load of sweet Afton. There isn't a player amongst you. Oh, that's a gem. That's from Finbar in Glanmire. I have that's a new one um, on me as well. You're like a load of sweet Afton. There isn't a player amongst you. Now for people who don't know what uh, what what the reference is Sweet Afton and Player both cigarettes, Fimber. That's what I'm that's what I'm assuming. And was the player cigarette better? Is that the was that the it was said about a team, I suppose, maybe. Uh, anyway, keep if you have any of those old sayings that you think, as I say, according to the survey, we we sadly are losing a lot of them. And and I just I, I, the fear is that if we lose them because it's such descriptive language, if they die out, they'll they'll die out forever, and they won't come back. And that would certainly be a real real uh, shame. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. You can text our WhatsApp to oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. Court today on C one zero three with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk; they walk the walk. Cmig.ie. Now you keep those old uh, phrases uh, coming in John Paul is taking them by cause but you can also uh, text or WhatsApp and if you're sending in one send in the meaning as well because we're getting ones in and we don't even know what the meaning of it is so send in uh, an explanation behind it if you're texting or WhatsApping please but let's move on because the Housing Minister Darrow O'Brien says he now wants up to a a thousand households a year to avail of the mortgage to rent scheme in a bid to help those who are struggling to pay their mortgages David Hall is with the mortgage to rent provider iCare. He's welcome to the news and I'm delighted to say David joins me this morning. Good morning to you, David. Morning, Patricia. You're very welcome to the programme. Firstly, can you remind us how the mortgage to rent scheme operates? The mortgage to rent scheme is a scheme that allows somebody who has a mortgage with certain conditions around the size of a house. Obviously, a large 20 bedroomed house wouldn't be suitable, but a house that's sort of akin to a social housing um, valued house. Um, has a mortgage, can't pay the mortgage, becomes unemployed or loses uh, work time, um, becomes ill, um, or indeed in some circumstances separated, 
where they can convert that house by surrendering the house to the bank or their fund and a sort of a mortgage rent provider like ourselves, iCare Housing, buys that from the bank and they become then a social housing tenant where the local authority pays us uh, rent, which they would ordinarily be, get paid in the event they got evicted. And uh, they then get evaluations for, for social housing tenants rent themselves and they also pay that to us. And we maintain the property. The debt is written off and they can stay in the property uh, um, and uh, buy it back at the price we've paid for it, which generally is below the market value for the next 25 years. So it freezes their set of circumstances at the moment where many people listening who've been in long-term mortgage arrears have been tortured for the last 10 years. And while it's great that there hasn't been a huge amount of evictions, uh, the banks and the central bank, the bank and the voter funds have told the central bank that they predict, and this is not my figure, Patricia, is very important, this is the industry figure, has been predicted that 16,000 households will lose their home as a direct result of repossession or voluntary surrender. So there's a very significant number of people out there in difficulty and because the banks have not taken action against them which is a good thing but in, in, in some senses it's not actually a good thing it, it sounds like it's a good thing but actually it has prolonged torture and pain for people and hasn't gotten them a solution for their housing needs and the the stress level david of and you would deal with a lot of a lot of these families the stress level of living in your family home and worried that one day you're going to get evicted from it must be absolutely horrendous. I know it, it is absolutely horrific and has a massive impact on, on a family life and on a household and living between uh, family, children, partners, whomever it might be, and many people uh, on their own battling this. It has a huge risk to it. It has massive mental health uh, concerns, has an adverse effect on their work and their quality of work and quality of life. Things go quiet, you're anxious about phone calls and different numbers, you're anxious about the post coming in. Everything that's happened in the last 10 years, and everything I would have spoken to you about in the past, Patricia, you know, a number of years ago, in the early days of the mortgage arrears, when this was happening, it's gone quiet, but hasn't gone away. And I think the Central Bank's report up on its own website, where their own members of the regulated entities, the banks and the voter funds, have told the Central Bank themselves that they foresee 16,000 households losing their homes. And there isn't a Ferrari about it at the moment because then there's been a lot of loan sales to voucher funds from banks in the last couple of years during COVID um, and they haven't really issued a significant number of legal proceedings. Uh, and many of those legal proceedings that have been issued have dragged on for two, three, four, five, six years without there being any concrete evictions, which has kept everyone a bit quiet and unfortunately left people in a false sense of security. Yeah, and ha- roughly how many people a year avail of this mortgage to rent? Last year, there was a record number, about 650 um, okay. availed of mortgage rent, which is a great number, uh, given that um, you know things have been quiet from a repossession perspective the last couple of years. Uh, the minister announced changes on, on Monday. There were very practical changes. Quite strange, actually, to be at a ministerial announcement uh, where there's not a crisis or a chaos, where the proactive measures have been taken to try and uh, loosen up some of the rules that were there. Three major steps were, were loosened that made a big difference. The prices... So price used to be three ninety five thousand in Cork has now increased to four hundred fifty thousand. Which reflects the housing yeah. market, doesn't it? It does, and it's strange to have a housing minister increase the bans himself voluntarily early on, which is great news for for people. And also, there's a silly bedroom rule where a couple in a four bedroom house weren't eligible because they were deemed to have one bedroom too many. <sighs> Um, some lunatic somewhere decided to come up with some plan. So there's a few bizarre rules that are associated with social housing and unfortunately mortgage rent has been linked on to the strict social housing rules. And then there's another uh, uh, recognition of the, how things have changed. This is really strange. Where some properties 
used to always be in negative equity. There are now a significant number of properties, Patricia, that are in positive equity. And the state's policy here to four was, if you're in positive equity, you should sell your house, cash in the 20 grand positive equity, rent for however number of months you can afford to rent, depending on what part of the country you are in. When your rent money runs out, present yourself as being homeless. Oh. And that's now been corrected by the minister to say that's a crazy rule and um, let's allow positive equity be there. So it's good, three, a solid, practical... Well done, well done, well done. And will make a difference to so well, many of those 16,000. Yeah, 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 a number of thousand people will now be eligible as a result of it. Now, we have a bit of work to do in, in, in with, the, with the local authorities, with the banks, and with ourselves, to be bluntly honest, in speeding up the process. It's not, too, it's not a fast process at the moment. It's a slow process. But it's a definite process for people. It's a definite solution. And there are solutions there. There's MABS. There's the, you know, iCareHousing.ie. There's the personal insolvency practitioners around. There are many solutions uh, that are available at the moment. There are many more solutions that are coming. And people who are in mortgage arrears, I would say to them, as the days go by now, a property price is increasing. As every day goes by, you're a day closer to losing your home unless you take action now. And that's not been yeah. the case before, Patricia. There's a marked difference now the value of the property, the banks have sat in the backside and their assets have increased in value and people are sitting at home minding them and keeping them and keeping them warm and they run the risk of losing them. They have to take responsibility. They have to engage with trusted third parties that are there. They've got MABS. They've got the Irish Mortgage Holders Organisation, which I'm involved in also. There's Eye Care Housing. There's the personal and practitioners. There's a number of people around who can and will help and the solutions are changing every day. Some mortgage rent might not be a solution for some people. They might not like us. There are other solutions that are there as well uh, and they need to be explored. But people have to take that part of a responsibility. And Don't get lured into the false sense of security that things are quiet. The banks aren't giving you a free house. Yeah, and I think it just, it'll give families uh, a sense of hope. Hope is the key word. And Dean Kyo, one of our tenants, was there with the minister on, on, on Monday when we did the launch with them. And that's the key word he used is hope. There is hope. And he said the difference, the relief and the stress in being secure in your house and being secure in your home and in the full knowledge that when you get back on your feet again or get an inheritance, you can come and buy back the property at the price we pay for it. And, uh, you know, that's a huge relief. And no matter what the value is, by the way, in 20 years' time, it stays at the price we pay for it today. So if this solution was a bit better organised when it was announced, by the way, in 2012, it was a very good idea at the time, but it was never executed properly, this would have been really a great solution for many, many people um, because it would have frozen their search circumstances at that time. Yeah, and you're thinking of families with children going to school, you know, if they, they want them to go to the same school so they'll be living in, in the same house. Uh, because the, the idea of somebody being evicted from, from their house and the knock-on effect of, uh, you know, going to the government for help, say, under the HAP scheme, which would end up costing the exchequer a lot of money. The road, and, and you also mentioned the stress, like the stress, the embarrassment and the upheaval of going through repossession proceedings, having you know, having to leave your home in such circumstances, explaining that to children and family members and the indignity that's involved in that when there are solutions. And it does cost the state more because when we look at buying the property and we get uh, the rent allowance from the local authority, it's the low rent allowance we get where the alternative if you were to be evicted is HAP, mm. is a bed and breakfast or a hotel or the street. They're the alternatives. So this becomes a far more humane, far more sensible one and one that this minister particularly has a significant interest in because he knows a number of people who have availed of it. And uh, that's very positive news for everybody. And say having the changes made in, on Monday in, in a proactive way ahead of any chaos is also very refreshing and will be very, very useful for people. But it's not a pleasant place to be in. It's been a bit calm for the last couple of years because of COVID. 
it hasn't gone away, but it's just to reassure everyone there is help, there are solutions, and most certainly there's hope. So, uh, you know, I care how... Reach out. Arise. You reach need out. to reach out now. Reach out. And no one cares if you come kick tyres and make inquiries and ask and uh, change your mind, double rounds. That's what we're there for. So reach out, make the inquiries, ask the questions, and... Um, and don't worry about being a pain in the backside, but do 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 get some help. Okay, well done, well done. Can I continue? Good luck with the work that you do, uh, David. It's incredible. Thanks, William. And uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, David Hall uh, of the mortgage to rent provider I Care with those changes that were announced this week. But uh, I, I didn't think the figure was that high of uh, sixteen thousand families at risk of losing their home. Please reach out and get the advice and the help that is available. 0818103103. John Paul continues to take your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862103103. Illegal dumping has become the scourge of many communities all over the country, with many of our listeners wondering why something can't be done to catch the people responsible. Now, could the use of drones and number plate recognition technology be part of the solution? Fianna Fáil Senator Malcolm Byrne believes so and he joins me to discuss new legislation that would allow county councils to use this technology. And Senator Malcolm Byrne joins me. Good morning to you, Malcolm. Uh, good morning, Patricia. And good morning to you, listeners. You're very, you're very welcome. Now, the problem at the moment is that data is to do with data protection and I believe it's actually stopping councils from using using footage already available to them. Many councils have CCTVs, uh, cameras in operation. They can't use that. Isn't that right because of data protection? Well, well, yes and no. Um, there is a perception that's out there that uh, GDPR, which is the, the data protection regulation that applies across the European Union, that that's preventing local authorities from using CCTV and other technology to catch dumpers. And, and that's not quite true. Um, the, the GDPR in of itself is a good thing because it, it protects you know, all of our data. We don't want our data to be misused by companies or anybody else. Um, the problem uh, with regard to local authorities using CCTV and and, uh, and other technologies um, is not that they're banned from doing it. It's just that up until now, there's been no underpinning legislation uh, that has in place the necessary safeguards so that the data would be used properly. So in other words, if we put the CCTV in place, uh, that it would only be used for catching illegal dumpers, not for other activity you, you might be aware there was a problem even discovered last week with some CCTV that Limerick City and County Council were using where the Data Protection Commissioner felt that it was being used more for surveillance purposes uh, than trying to address antisocial behaviour. So what and, I looked at... And Limerick Council got fined for that. They, 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 they did. And, and this will apply to, you know, any company or organisation that if, if they gather your data for a particular purpose and then, you know, they use it for some other purpose, uh, you know, they, they will be fined for that. Um, so what I've been looking at, and, and it's, it's, it's a quite complex area, so the piece of legislation that I've brought forward, uh, it's, it's actually 25 pages long. It builds in the necessary safeguards. Um, but what it will allow is for local authorities to use fixed and mobile CCTV, drone technology, automated number plate recognition technology, and indeed any new technologies that may be developed, provided that they set out very clearly that the purpose of these technologies is to catch people 
uh, engaged in criminal acts uh, around illegal dumping and that any of the data that's gathered will only be used for the purposes of prosecuting uh, in those areas. A little, a little bit like if I'm caught speeding by a speed it, van, that's number plate recognition. Exactly. It's, a, it's the exact same principle. So those speed vans, any of that data um, can only be used for where you're engaged uh, in a, a breach of, of road traffic legislation. You're, you're engaged in breaching of speeding. Any of the, the evidence that's gathered, it can't be used otherwise. Similarly to, you know, in a lot of our, our, our towns and cities, we have CCTV that's in, you know, that, that's in public spaces and local authorities have it. And it's only when, you know, if a, a crime has been committed or an individual goes missing and the guardee in line with, you know, a set of procedures can request access to that, uh, that that CCTV footage can, can be used. And I think the majority of us law-abiding citizens, Malcolm, have no problem with being caught on camera if we're walking down the street. We're not doing anything wrong. Uh, that, that, that's true, although you've you got to get the balance right because, um, you know, there is a thin line that goes between you know, just monitoring to try to pick out, you know, if, if there's if there's trouble or whatever to where we end up into a, a surveillance type society. And, and we can talk some other time, Patricia, around where it goes to the other extreme where, you know, in China, effectively, the Chinese authorities monitor all of their citizens and everything that they're doing. I was, we certainly I was don't watching, want to go down that I was that watching road. CCTV the other day out of uh, Beijing with the Winter Olympics and you they were monitoring every and they were able to pick up everybody's um, they they appear to be able to pick up everybody's temperature. They were doing temperature checks just on people walking down the street. Yep, that was use, scary. That's a completely that, different level. Yeah. That's a di- that's and a different that is, level. And that is, I mean, this is a whole other debate that we can have around yeah. the use of but, facial recognition technology. Algorithms. Come back to come, come back, back to, to dumping. illegal dumping. How much is spent every year in illegal dumping? So I surveyed at the beginning of last year. I surveyed all the local authorities around the country and was able to estimate that between dealing with illegal dumping and littering, uh, all of our city and county councils are spending between, uh, in total, 90 and 100 million euro a year. So that's what the rest of us are paying for for the clean-up. It's crazy money. It's also, you know, it it damages our beauty spots. It's environmentally hazardous, particularly if any material leaches into the soil. Uh, It's hazardous to livestock and to animals. Um, But also, and, and, and you know the great work that tidy towns groups and development associations do in keeping our communities looking well, uh, and it's heartbreaking for those groups when they come out into an area and they see, you know, somebody has flung bags of rubbish or a mattress or whatever. Uh, and, you know, and they often have to either, you know, arrange with the council or uh, they arrange themselves to uh, to take it away. I, I don't think it's acceptable anymore. Um, I think we've got to deploy every technology possible. Um, local authorities have been trying to do this, but what this legislation allows uh, is for local authorities to do it in line with a safe scheme that that, that allows for data protection. Uh, it, uh, I've, I've de- you know, engaged extensively with this, including with councillors, with uh, the Data Protection Commission. The government has said it's going to accept the legislation. Uh, I just wanted then to start to move it as quickly as possible through the process in Leinster House. I'd love to see it in place uh, by this summer because, frankly, we need to start to catch these people. You can have all mm. the educational programmes you want, but uh, until we hit them in the pocket, and I actually believe we also need to look at imprisoning some of the serial offenders, uh, that's the only way we're going to get Absolutely. the message across. And, you know, when you, when you describe there a match has been dumped, what frustrates me, we have so many excellent civic community sites and anyone who's paid a visit to a civic community site certainly the ones here in Cork talk about the staff there they're fantastic they're helpful 
they're spotlessly clean um, and we have them dotted all all over the, the city and county and yet you still have people who'll almost drive by the gates of a civic community site to dump something that you know it might be a large white white goods item like a fridge or a, a cooker that can be recycled for free or the mattress that example that you used. It's just frustrating, isn't it, when we have so many civic community sites? It, it is, and it, it, it's often, I mean, and, and people will know the cost of fuel nowadays. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, it, it would actually often cost you more to go out to drive into a country area to, to, to dump this material, rather than going into a civic centre and paying you know, whatever uh, the, the, you know, the cost is, the few euro that, that, that it is. And indeed, as, as you say, local authorities are very helpful. Um, many local authorities, I I know my own in Wexford organises things like mattress amnesties yeah. where there's a specific day and I'm sure it's, it's the same, same in Cork. Cork yeah. um, so, you know, it, 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 it just doesn't make sense. And, and this is why I say we can have, you know, all the information campaigns and, and everything else. There are some people who just have no sense of civic pride or responsibility. Uh, no more excuses. Um, we need to equip uh, local authorities to go after them because it, 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 it's heartbreaking for the environmental staff and local authorities as well who, who are trying their best uh, and yet their hands are tied behind their backs because they can't get these people and, and frequently and often in communities people are able to identify uh, you know who it is that is involved. What we've got to do is we've got to be able to provide the evidence so that if it does end up in court uh, that a prosecution will be successful. Okay and not just CCTV you, you would include drones as well? I, I, I think we need to use drones, we need to use automated number plate recognition uh, technology. The, the legislation is technology neutral so that if new technologies develop, uh, we're going to be able to uh, you know, use those. Um, the, the, the legislation provides the safeguards so that the data controller for the local authority, that the drone can only be deployed for particular purposes. Um, but if you know there is a case that, that there is littering that's, go- that's going on or dumping that's going on and using a drone uh, to be able to gather evidence for that, I think we should allow local authorities to be able to do that with obviously the safeguards uh, that, that, that are built in, in, in place. Okay, and I can already see a number of people saying, well done, the sooner this is brought in, in the better. Uh, we need to find these uh, people and get it to stop. Okay, Malcolm, we leave it there. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thanks very much. Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is Senator Malcolm Byrne, Fianna Fáil Senator Malcolm Byrne with that new legislation. So the councils will be able to use drones, number plate recognition and CCTV to catch people who just continuously fly tip. And no matter what we do, we can't stop them illegally dumping. I'm actually laughing out loud at some of the sayings that are <laughs> that have been sent into us, the old sayings that unfortunately there is a theory that because they're not used in modern conversations, they may be dying out. And I really hope that some of these absolutely never die out. I promise you I get to more of them after news at uh, 11. Um, Eileen and Mitchelstown says my mum is saying your health is your wealth and by God how right she was particularly after the two years we've come out of and William says there's the saying if there was work in the bed they'd sleep on the floor. Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie You're listening to Court Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
thank you for all the old phrases and sayings that are coming in and we're going to get to as many as we can uh, throughout the morning. A lot of them are really hand on heart are just making me laugh out loud because some of them I've actually never heard of. So I think the survey that we mentioned earlier has only scratched the surface with the sayings they are fearful are going to die out because they're not used in modern uh, conversations. And I'll get to some of them before I do. Just want to go to some other comments that have come in, including Rob has contacted us via uh, social media. He wants to know how in the name of all that is honest can this be justified? And there's a little saying in itself from Rob. He says the tourist industry, the tour- Irish tourism industry are crying out for support. But Rob is trying to book two nights accommodation. He needs to visit here in Cork and he needs to stay for two nights. And the prices, the price he has been quoted is for he's on his own so I'm assuming there's a single supplement here for two nights accommodation and it is a Wednesday and a Thursday night so it's midweek it isn't on the weekend and he has been quoted 416 euro for two nights bed only if he wants to have breakfast on his two night stay breakfast is an extra 22 euro he is finding that extremely expensive so averaging 208 euro a night for one throw the breakfast in so 230 euro it will cost him per night to stay in a four star hotel I don't know if any if other people have started to book I do know we we were warned that once restrictions started to be lifted the message that was going out from the tourism industry was to start booking quickly because things were going to book up fast and you would see as we get closer to the summertime, you will see prices uh, increase. And I think because everything seems to be going up in price, I think this is going to be the norm going forward. Now, whether it will eventually level out and prices will come down, but Rob feels that is very, very expensive. Actually, I we decided to take the bull by the horns. God, we're coming out with all the saints today, aren't we? I, we booked our first overseas trip last night and I've been very nervous about doing it. We haven't been away now. It was actually... around this time two years ago was our last trip away. We went over to a friend of ours of Scottish heritage uh, to celebrate Burns Night with them and last last night was Burns Night. So we were were just saying saying it was this time two years ago. I haven't been on a plane or near an airport uh, since. So we've made the decision that we're going away uh, this year. And so yesterday we had a hotel booked and we needed to book the flights. So I sat down last night uh, to book the flights. Certainly the cost of flights have gone up. But you know something? It was almost a stressful experience because I haven't booked flights in so long and I'm travelling with Ryanair for the destination we're going to they're the only ones uh, flying there out of Ireland and you know with Ryanair you need to get everything absolutely right and you you sort of you'd have everything inputted and then you'd move on to the next stage and they just constantly seem to be trying to upsell you something else and so you need to certainly bring your A game with you if you are deciding to book an overseas uh, flight but if prices according to Rob are increasing in this country one wonders how many people are going to opt for staycations if they are going to be that expensive. We were talking in the last hour about fly uh, tipping and a listener is making the point, if I can find it, in the middle of all of the sayings. Ross says it just beggars belief the amount of money that they are prepared to spend trying to avoid the collection of uh, rubbish, uh, says uh, Ross, and the lengths that they'll go to to dump the rubbish, says Ross. Yeah, and I mean, Senator Malcolm Byrne made that point 
And I was talking about people will drive past the civic community site to find a quiet, usually scenic area in the dead of the night when nobody's there uh, to dump. You know, they'd have to bring a car, a van or a trailer with them because they have so much stuff that they want to dump instead of bringing it, waiting until the civic community site is open and bringing it there instead. It just, it frustrates me and I really can't understand it. And morning, uh, Patricia, I was doing a food shop on Monday and I have to tell you, I was really taken aback. There was a man inside in the supermarket who actually pulled down his mask under his chin in order to sneeze. Uh, I then watched a woman who was obviously looking for a particular brand of yoghurt. She seemed to handle so many tubs before deciding not to take any of them. Uh, I just could not understand this behaviour. Have people forgotten that there is still a pandemic out there? And that's all the reason why we're told to constantly hand sanitise when we are out and about. OK, let me go to some of these wonderful old sayings that people are remembering that either their parents or grandparents used. And in many cases, people are still using them today. So it's good to know that they are still in uh, use. Someone by Baz in Bantry says, when you plough as much as I've harrowed, then you can talk. That's a very old saying, but it's a very true saying, says Baz. There's a couple of other people in with that one as well. Frank in from White. Patricia, what about birds of a feather? They flock together. I think that this may have been used to describe who a person would hang out with, the type of company they would keep. Yeah, that's what I would think when birds of a feather uh, flock together. Another one in one straw short of a bale. Meaning they weren't the brightest person. I haven't heard that. One straw short of a bale. Hi Patricia, have you ever heard the expression the dirt before the brush or age before beauty and it means you're letting somebody ahead of you. I've certainly heard of age before beauty, dirt before the brush. I haven't. It's kind of an insulting thing to say to somebody, isn't it? And then I love this one from Margaret who says all fur coat and no knickers to mean all the grandeur is on the surface. Margaret says I'm really enjoying uh, your programme. I certainly have heard of all fur coat and uh, no knickers. And then the knickers in a twist one that we mentioned earlier. And I hope we're not offending anyone by talking about underwear at this hour of the morning. And I can't get over, we've had two separate texts in from people saying they'd never heard of that saying, uh, knickers in a twist, but a lot of other people saying, yeah, certainly have heard of that. My husband says about somebody who's tight with money, they'd mind mice at a crossroads. And I, what a descriptive saying, they'd mind mice at a crossroads. And if I ever say to him, right, you know, something, get yeah, right, he would always reply, right, she says, but she never wrote. And my teenagers never know what I mean when I say somebody that runs with the hare and hunts with the hound. That's a great old saying as well. And I'm wondering if you're saying your teenage boys, it's lost on them. Is that exactly what we're talking about? Those old sayings. If we don't get the younger generation, the teenagers to start using those sayings, they will be gone forever. Dermot says, it's my way or the highway. Said by a person who wants things done his way. And then dodging the undertaker. That was said by an older person. When you'd ask an older person, how are you doing? And the older person would say, I'm, I'm dodging the undertaker. <laughs> Haven't heard that one before, Dermot. Hi, Patricia. Old sayings. 
I had to use it only yesterday. I was getting my son to take a cough bottle that he didn't really like. You know, sometimes cough bottles don't taste too good. And I said to him, Nana used to always say, what tastes bad is good for you. The look I got was uh, priceless. And that. Yeah, and that's true as well. Stuff that generally speaking that tasted bad was uh, was actually uh, good, good for you. As wicked as a wasp. And she'd mind mice at the crossroads as wicked as a wasp. Haven't heard that, but that's a, a, another one of those great descriptive ones. There's when you've heard what I've ploughed, come talk to me. A lot of people saying that. Anne says, my mother-in-law, Celine, used to say about favouring one child over another. You can't make flesh of one and fish of the other. I love that saying. I have never heard of that. You can't make flesh of one and fish of uh, another. And then Mary says, if you were out dancing, having a good night out dancing at the end of uh, the night, it was supposed to be a romantic uh, saying. Uh, Somebody would say, uh, uh, you know, can we fix up anything at the end of the night? That was meant to be a romantic uh, saying. And then if somebody refused to dance, the person might say, where is your knitting? Meaning you are very boring. Mary remembers, remember the sayings at the Star Ballroom in uh, Mill Street. They were the good old days, but they were clean and caring uh, days. Phil says, Trish, Brendan Grace used to say, not the sharpest knife in the drawer. We miss him. He had a great gift to make us all laugh. Thank you, Trish, from Phil. And Brendan Brendan Grace had a lot of those old sayings and he was very descriptive in the way he told a story. So, yeah, and he could make you roll around the floor uh, laughing. God, there's another saying. When you say somebody is alike, says this person, the saying is same ingredient, different cake. Same ingredient, different cake. Never heard of that. Show me the man without a fault and I'll show you a man without a pulse. New one on me as well. Um, I've heard of knickers in a twist for sure and I actually use it, says this texture. My husband always says when somebody is tight with money, that's the one they would mind mice at uh, the crossroads. And then a few old expressions, says this texture, that you'd sometimes hear in the Connacht area and I don't know if they're used uh, in down here in Cork or not. Era, he's a right Amadon. Yeah, no, I would have heard that. God loved the creator. The dead arose and appeared to many. That, that, according to this listener, you would say to somebody, the dead arose and appeared to many, many. And that was somebody who was a late riser. You can imagine like a teenager staggering out of bed at one o'clock. And mother in the kitchen. Well, the dead arose and appeared to many. Tonsil tennis, that's a way of describing passionate kissing. And you're a rare one. That's for somebody very special or uh, quirky. And this listener reckons that they were much more common in Connacht than they were here in uh, Munster. In North Mayo, the older generation would often say wahoo instead of how are you. It's coming directly from the Irish language of mahu. So wahoo. So instead, well, I'm originally from Clonmel in uh, Tipperary and it's Waterford saying as well rather than say hello or hi to somebody well it's and I have one of my sisters will regularly send a text message that she'll start with well and you can always add well girl and that was used instead of uh, hello even though I don't know it's kind of the descriptive uh, sayings I think it's more what we're looking for uh, today Michelle Bantam says morning Patricia and John Paul is saying my father had God rest him in relation to being lucky if it was raining soup 
I'd have a fork. And I think, Michelle, that that's in re- relation to being unlucky rather than being lucky. If it was raining soup, I'd have a fork. Hi, Patricia. My grandmother had a saying about a person who married late, late in life. Every old shoe meets an old stocking. <laughs> okay, so okay, let me just do a quick more few that came in to um, John Paul for us. Donna in, in Bandon. My grandmother used to say when somebody would say something stupid, she'd mutter under her breath, he or she, not the brightest bead on the rosary. <laughs> Uh, Michael in Michelle, Michael, sorry, Michael in Mallow. A hen dressed up as a chicken. It means an old person putting on young clothes to make themselves look younger. I've never heard that. A hen dressed up as a chicken. The saying I would have used there was, "She's mutton dressed as lamb." Isn't that the somebody wearing clothes that really they shouldn't be wearing because they're 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 too old for them? But a hen dressed up as a chicken. Other phases in from Joan. Shut mouths catch no flies. I don't know what that means. Shut mouths catches no flies. A nod is as good as a wink to a blind horse. I've heard if a nod is as good as a wink, but the blind horse bit I haven't heard, Joan. And sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt me. And that's that's a that's a good uh, saying as well. Michael said it's a long road that is no turning. Meaning somebody might think everything is going well, but there's a problem around the corner. Yeah, and to me, it's a long road, there's no, no turning. If somebody has wronged you in some way, that's sort of what you'd say about the person. It's a long road, there's no turning. They never know if something's going to come back to bite them, is, is how I would see that. And this one I hadn't heard, it's another one from Michael. You can't catch two birds in chaffs. A chaff, he said, is going back to the threshing time when they used to store the grain. So I don't quite know. You can't catch two birds in chaffs. I don't quite know what what the meaning of that saying is. And the one I love for Michael is the older the fiddle, the sweeter the tune. And Mary said, if somebody would say in our house that somebody was good or the person was a good person, my mother would always say there are two types of good. Good for nothing and no good. C103 Jobs. Okay, keep those old sayings coming into us. A general operative wanted to assist in a busy workshop environment. It's in Roskeen in Mallow. You email breed at avonmore slash electrical.com. Experienced person required for laying all types of paving. That's in the Cork area, 87 and trainee or qualified lift engineer is required for domestic lifts and hoists. That's in the Munster area. Call 86 8343533 and an air compressor service engineer wanted to work on repairs, service and insulation. CVs and a cover letter please to compressors at ips.ie or you can call them at 021 4311249. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. You can go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. As we've been hearing, Russian bombers and naval ships are set to test missiles off the coast of Ireland with these missile tests expected to take place off the coast of Cork in the first week of February. West Cork Fianna Fáil Deputy Christopher Sullivan is worried about the impact it will have on the area and he uh, joins me. Good morning to you Christopher. 
Hey Patricia, and first of all, apologies. There's a, a Shannon Bell going on in the background. Oh, don't I'm worry sure your about listeners it. are well used to that. Don't, at this point. Yeah, don't worry about it. Now, firstly, has the government actually received official confirmation from the Russians on what they're proposing to do? They have, yeah, they have. Uh, the uh, Minister Coveney has outlined they have received official correspondence that the uh, Russian Navy intend to carry out uh, missile tests from the 3rd uh, to the 8th of February. So that communication um, has happened. Um, I think in the event when these tests do happen, that these communications usually do happen. But uh, having said that, I mean, there's been some... Um, assertions from I, I've heard the Russian ambassador say that this is just a run-of-the-mill event and this is these are things that happen. It, it, this actually event is quite unusual for this to happen within um, the exclusive economic zone of Ireland is quite unusual for it to happen within just a couple of hundred kilometres of West Cork is 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 quite unusual. So this isn't uh, as the Russian ambassador um, tried to. Um, make out that it's just a kind of a run-of-the-mill um, uh, test that that they carry out on a regular basis. But but, but just just because I can see a lot of a lot of listeners are really worried about this under Irish law or under international law. Do we have any powers to say to the Russians no? Absolutely, and this is something I'll be speaking in, in Dáilearn at this attempt. At past three and I'll be making my feelings known and the feelings of the, of the people in West Cork known and yes there is uh, under the UN Convention and the Law of the Sea um, Ireland as as the state that governs that exclusive economic zone and that's that big uh, zonal area um, that you know it, it, it uh, uh, discerns the, the, the fishing rights and other rights. The law quite clearly states that the state reserves the sovereign right for the purposes of exploiting, conserving and managing natural resources, living or non-living. And that brings us back to the, the, the points I'm going to make in relation to fishing. But yes, under the UN Convention on the Law of the Sea, which Ireland is signed up to and other UN nations are signed up to, we absolutely have the right to intervene here. And that's something I'm going to be stressing um, in the Doyle when I'm speaking uh, on this uh, at just after, shortly after three o'clock. But look, this is, there's so many uh, reasons that, that this is wrong. There's so many um, things that are, are, are wrong about this. First of all, you, you, the fact that it's absolutely terrifying to think that the might of the, the Russian army is going to be located just within a couple of hundred um, kilometres of the Irish coast. As a person from West Cork, and I know other um, people from West Cork, that's concerning in itself. But secondly, and I know that um, uh, you'll have Patrick on in a minute from the um, uh, fishing sector, uh, it's going to have a huge detrimental impact on the fishing sector. The Porcupine Sea Bite that we're talking about, the area in question, um, where these missile tests are going to be happening, this is an incredibly rich area for uh, marine wildlife, including fish species like prawns, like blue whiting. And this is such an important fishery uh, for the Irish fishing fleet. Uh, And thirdly, and I think it's something that we don't speak about enough and, and isn't being highlighted enough, the other marine wildlife that live in the the, the porcupine sea, but it's such a hot spot uh, for for so many species of deep diving whales and dolphins, and uh, both the low decibel noises from launching missiles and exploding missiles, but also the sonar activity that is undoubtedly uh, going to be associated with this these, these tests. It's going to have a huge impact uh, on marine wildlife like whales and dolphins, and the, this activity in the past has been linked uh, to mass marine stranding. So there, there's there's so many reasons that this is wrong, and, and and this is only added into the melting pot 
of the international tensions at the moment between Russia and the Ukraine, between NATO and Russia, and between uh, the US and Russia. And here it is happening uh, right on our doorstep, yeah, only a couple yeah. of hundred kilometres from, from uh, right, right in our backyard, for sure. You mentioned uh, Patrick Murphy, Chief Executive of the Irish South and West Fish Producers Organisation. He's on the other line. Good morning to you, Patrick. Good morning, Patricia, Pat- and good morning, Deputy. Pat- Patrick, how concerned are you and your, and your members about these possible test missiles? Well, I think that's been clear in all the um, press releases and everything we've put out, um, Patricia. But not only that, we, we made contact with the Russian embassy. So uh, we're going to meet with the ambassador and, and express our concerns in person to him, uh, hopefully tomorrow. Well done, well done. And you've got, tell me about this peace, you, you plan to try to peacefully disrupt the Russian plans. Tell us well, your plans. So the plan is this, Patricia, as, as Christopher has outlined, this is a really important dairy and an important fishery out there for us. Uh, we have a six-month fishery for nephrops in and around the Porcupine Bank. And the process is this. Our boats start fishing there on the 1st of February, and we are going to continue to fish there. And what we were expecting is what we will will probably be coming, and Christopher and the, the minister will be soon notified of this on the 27th by the Russian authorities is they're hoping to create an exclusion zone around the activities. So um, we would be expecting that if that borders on where we're fishing, our boats would be expected to move, but we're not moving. This is our rights in our waters to to earn our living, and and we're going to stay there. So we'd be hoping to speak with the ambassador, and if there is an overlap of the areas, that they will move the exercises away from us, and that will be a a solution to the problem. And look, we, we, we know how dangerous this is playing out. It's making international headlines and we are being contacted from all over the world about this. And we do not want to add tensions or be part of anything that might be an Egypt reaction um, by this nation. So we're hoping the dialogue that we have with the um, ambassador, and it's been positive to date, will rectify our concerns. And how many boats would you expect to head to that area? Around 50 boats um, normally prosecute the fishery outside there um, for nephrops. And they go out there for up to two weeks at a time, uh, Patricia, you know, and they freeze, blast freeze the, this very valuable um, seafood to bring it back. Uh, and it's it's a finite. There's only X amount of tons that we can cut inside in this area. So it's it's really important that we get the right fish, the right quality, and that it's protected. And, and I agree 100% with what Christopher is saying about the danger to cetaceans. And we often get blamed, as we are again being uh, attacked on on social media, of why the Irish South and West are raising this, and it's a bit hypocritical. We are full and solely behind sustainable fisheries, looking after our uh, marine environment, and we are tired of being painted otherwise. And uh, you've spoken to me many times on this programme, and... I personally am very proud of setting up a V-notching programme that protected lobster stocks all around the coastline well before I ever came into this job. So uh, I'm, I'm proven in the field of conservation. I don't just say it, I act upon it. Okay, well done. And, and well done. this organisation follows that lead from here as well. OK, so look, and, we, but just on, just on this peaceful protest, you know, I mean, I saw the, the Thornish study of Radcar saying to the fishermen that you need to exercise caution because at the end of the day, we're talking here about, you know, military vessels. Well, there's confusing dialogue coming out now from the government. So you heard Christopher is totally opposed to this and wants to do something about it. And then you have Artanis telling the boat 
to keep away. So that's a mixed message to us. So either... Let Christopher back in. Christopher, the Tornish is saying to them, exercise caution. Is that so basically it, telling it, them, don't go? It wouldn't be unusual for myself and the, and the Tornish to, to, to disagree on something. But I will say this. First of all, I have to state that I'm fully 100% behind Patrick and the fishermen of West Cork. They've already had an incredibly tough two years, a bad Brexit deal. Um, there's been several um, uh, setbacks that they've had over the last couple of years. And here's another one. They're just about to start a fishery, a very important fishery for the fishermen of, of West Cork in Ireland in the Porcupine Sea Bite. Um, and essentially because of this uh, activity, they can't do it. So I'm 100% behind them. I would <laughs> I would say this, you know, they're certainly brave individuals who are going to be in this area during a missile test. I'm not sure um, how wise it is, but I absolutely fundamentally agree with the, what they're trying to achieve and their point that this is an important fishery for them. But listen, Patrick will will um, will know a lot more about how safe or unsafe uh, this procedure might be. I, I doubt very much if Patrick and uh, the rest of those fifty boats are would put themselves in harm's way. This is the the might of the 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 the, the, the Russian army. Um, God knows what military capabilities they have out there. Uh, but I I I. I or caution, certainly, and certainly I'd, I'd hope Patrick wouldn't be putting themselves in harm's way. I'm sure they're not, um, but I'm sure he's he's uh, he's well aware of, of what danger they may or may not be in. Patrick, are you nervous about it? Of course we're concerned, but this is why we're saying, as Christopher has pointed out, there are laws there that prevent us from being put in harm's way, and we're hoping our government will stress those laws, and we'll be talking to the ambassador about this as well. And look, he might move the area, and this is a, a, a ground that was pointed out to me by an Irish journalist who's actually in Russia. He was asking me, why aren't you complaining about the other military exercises that are carried out in this area by other nations? And I said, well, it's a first for me to understand that this is the case. And I said, you can be assured it's, it's not about Russia. This is about protecting the livelihoods of our fishermen, the biodiversity that's out there. And Christopher well knows that our scientists take a precautionary approach when they give quotas. And we've saw little of them. If they caught a quota 20%, with us only with 5 or 10% of that, it's, it's a crucifixion for us. Whereas the larger fleets, then, or not larger fleets, but the larger countries with larger entitlements in our waters can absorb those cuts. We can't. We see Haddock and Hake slashed this year even though the scientific advice says it should be increased. So, you know, this is hard to take by our boats. And Christopher is right. Brexit has been devastating for us. And as he well knows, because he was the, in fairness to Christopher, I love giving credit when I can, he was the one that approached the minister for a task force to set up the deal with the fallout of Brexit. And Mm. he lobbied our minister to set up the task force. Now, unfortunately, the bad news is it didn't deliver on what we were looking for, which is a fair and equitable payment to boats that are forced to leave the industry. There is nothing voluntary about the decommissioning scheme that's proposed. Boats have to leave. They've lost 25% of They've the They've no choice. That they okay, and no that, choice that, it's, that's an issue we've addressed, and, and no yes. doubt it's an, an issue we're going to address uh, again. Christopher, what's now needed, I suppose, is for the Irish government, uh, and, and I'm assuming that there's probably something going on in the background. Are you trying to persuade the Russians yeah, just I mean, not to go ahead with these exercises? We, we, have, a, we have a seat 
on the Security Council, the EU Security Council. That I mean, we have to use that seat. This is a, this this issue has arisen here. We have we fought for that seat on the on the Security Council. We have it. We need to use it. I, I mean, there's just in terms of uh, Patrick mentioned there that other activities, similar activity happens. What's going to happen here? And the reason that this is so concerning is because with the Russian military there, what you're inevitably going to have mm-hmm. is you're going to have other surveillance craft from, from either NATO or from the Allied forces. Okay, What that's going to um, uh, result in is the fact that you're going to have uh, Russian submarines pinging uh, essentially the sonar to find out who surve- who, 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 who's in the area and who's, who's doing the surveillance. That sonar, okay, it will not just devastate fish stocks that Patrick's concerned about, but there are deep, side, there are deep diving whales and dolphins out there that rely heavily on their own sonar, these high-frequency clicks, like sperm whales, like pilot whales. Um, it's going to have an absolutely devastating impact, and that is something I think has been, um, I think, overlooked in this whole uh, tension between uh, Russia and the Ukraine and NATO and the US thrown in as well. Um, we, need, we need to protect our fishing community, uh, our fish stocks, but also the other marine wildlife like like whales and dolphins. So I'll Actually, just yeah, and just on submarines, uh, Patrick, if you're bringing your boats into uh, this area, I mean, are you not in danger from submarines that you can't even see? Yeah, every one of our press releases re- released this information, and that's why we're meeting with the Russian ambassador to get more information to find out about this. We are not going to be sending our boats into danger. Okay. We are we are letting everybody know these boats were going there before the Russians. And Christopher is correct, but we did raise the issue about cetaceans and the damage of sonar because we're well aware of it. And, and we're delighted that this is now being discussed, that this could be attributed to these type of activities because normally it's fishing boats are, are being blamed for this. And it's not true. We don't have the same power and the same activity as, as these larger vessels are the seismic vessels that will be looking for oil and gas. So it's great to see that side of it coming out of it, that there's more awareness created. And But look, we need to have a proper diplomatic solution for this. Yeah. There is too much at stake. We do not want to raise tensions. There is another country, and I'm very cognizant of the people in Ukraine, who are shaking in their boots over this and in trenches. You know? So we're not going to be as a small... Uh, yeah, there is a bigger, there is a bigger story. There is, a, is yeah. a bigger story going on here. And one of our listeners uh, says, "Have we no say here in Ireland anymore? Can the Russians not simply be stopped carrying out these military actions here in uh, in our uh, waters?" And like both Christopher and Patrick, fearful for the fish industry, the wildlife being terrorised with noise and the disruption of the sea uh, seabirds. But I was reading on the the Examiner today, uh, Christopher. The professor from uh, UCC, he's the Department of Government and Politics, uh, Professor Andrew Cotty. And he noticed that the, noted that the location of the naval exercise is within international waters. So Russia are not violating any international laws. They, 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 they aren't unless Ireland uh, enforce Article 56 of the UN Convention on the Law of the Sea. And again, and, and for Anne, Anne asked the question there, is there anything that we can do? That quite clearly states that part one of, of Article 56 in the exclusive economic zone, which this location is, A, sovereign rights of the purpose of exploring and exploiting, conserving and managing the natural resources, whether living or non-living, of the waters, superjacent to the seabed and the seabed and its subsoil, etc., etc. Basically what that says is that if we feel that this activity is a threat to any of our resources, 
living or non-living. And in this case, you could easily make the case that this is that this that our fish and the fish species that are fished there that Patrick talked about are a living resource. Then we have, if this has an impact on that resource, we can invoke Article Fifty Six, Section Number One, uh, and that is the law under which. So. Absolutely, um, that professor is, is right in terms of these are international waters and these uh, tests do take place. But having said that, the UN Convention on the Law of the Sea says that Ireland can intervene okay. if we feel that a resource is under there, the there, there, there is a way around it. Somebody says, uh, morning, could you ask Christopher, uh, please, why are the two Irish Navy ships docked off the coast of Kinsale at the moment? Is that anything to do with the Russian Navy plans and their exercises or is that just a coincidence, Christopher? Uh, I don't know the answer to that. Is I, I don't know the operations that they have off Kinsale at the moment. I do know, and, and Patrick, again, will be very well aware of this, we do often see the Elietna and uh, the other naval boats um, between Kinsale. We often see them off in Shidani. I know they frequent off Castletown Bear quite often as well in Bantry. I'd imagine it's a run-of-the-mill uh, routine okay. exercise. But maybe but, Patrick but, could but shed so, light on that but, more. Do you know about that, Patrick, why they would be there? We lost Patrick. Patrick, okay. No, you didn't lose yeah. me. <laughs> Sorry, do you do you know do you know why the two navy ships are I'd off say, the coast of Kinsale? I'd say Christopher is after identifying it, but they they have duties on uh, under the common fishery policy for enforcement and detection um, for any IUU fishing and, and and inspection. So I'd say that they're probably doing that as well as we speak. We we see a lot of activity in our Irish fleet. They 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 they've come fairly often to to the Irish boats. Um, and they're welcome, by the way. Um, but um, we'd like to see maybe uh, evened out with, with the amount of opportunities. But look, they're an important part. We've always said that uh, for our marine protection, not just for our country and security, but also for marine life. And, and they have a job to do. And look, they might um, go out. Um, I don't know their operational programme. As Christopher says, I, I certainly wouldn't be privy to that, but I, Christopher, I could probably put But I, I, I certainly hope, Patricia, I certainly hope that if um, if the, the flotilla do go ahead and, and head out to the Porcupine Sea, see by those 50 our brave Irish fishing boats, uh, if, if that does go ahead, um, I'll certainly be raising the question. I do think that they should be uh, given some type of... of um, guidance and accompanied at the very least uh, by some of the uh, Irish Navy boats. Again, absolutely no match to that might of the, the Russian army you're talking. Big, heavy artillery, um, aircraft, submarines, but at least it might give some um, element of, of, uh, of, of protection to, okay. to those 50 boats. Have we an exact date and time, uh, Patrick, on when the Russians are expected? Well, you see, this is what's coming on the 27th, according to the Russian embassy. They That's will tomorrow. Give more details. That's tomorrow. tomorrow, yeah. And as I said, we will be talking to the ambassador tomorrow. We, we just okay. need to confirm who, the members who's coming and who's meeting him. And look, we're, we're not doing this to antagonise the, the Russian people. Um, this, I believe, can be solved if these boats move into deeper water and move away from these sensitive areas and sensitive uh, fisheries and 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 do their exercises like as the professor said. If they're in international waters, it's it's out of our control. We can then just um, look for um, evaluations, maybe by our scientific community. Is this doing damage? Because if it's if it is, it's not just the Russian fleet or the most Russian military that should be um, maybe curtailed in doing this, but any fleet. Okay. Um, because as and would says, you would, is, we're, we're would you sure. see that as a solution, um, Christopher? That they just move into deeper waters? First of all, 
considering the international tensions and considering the fact that you have the Russian army um, numbers building on the borders of Ukraine, considering the fact that there's international tensions there at the moment, I think um, the Russian army carrying out these tests um, off the west coast of Europe is just, I think it really is um, a, an exercise in antagonising um, uh, NATO and the US and the rest of Europe. So I prefer if it didn't happen at all. I think it's just a bit yeah. of um, I'm trying to raise tensions further. Okay. If they do want to flex their muscles, certainly, as Patrick said, move out to deeper waters, move away from the Porcupine Sea Bite, which is an absolute, and I can't stress it enough, it is a hotspot for marine wildlife both fish stocks, as Patrick has said, but also some of our rarest uh, and most beautiful uh, whale and dolphin species like okay. blue whales and fin All right, listen, Patrick, we wish you luck with the Russian uh, ambassador tomorrow. Keep us informed, please. And if you do have to bring your vessels out into that area, please, 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 each and every one of you uh, stay safe uh, and we'll, we'll speak again. But in the meantime, thank you both for joining us on the programme. Thank Thanks you. Patricia. Good morning to you. Bye uh, bye. That is Fianna Fáil, Joel Deputy for West Cork, Christopher O'Sullivan, and Patrick Murphy, Chief Executive of the Irish South and West Fish Producers Organisation. Cork today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. And I'm still chuckling away reading down through the sayings that are coming in. We're trying to sort them out and we'll get to as many of them as we can in the next hour just on what we've talked about though the much more serious issue of what's happening with Russia and Ukraine and Irish waters uh, Tom says the West will have to challenge Putin he is proving to be a bully boy and a dictator we, they will have to stop him entering the Ukraine did we learn anything from history when Hitler was left unchallenged for such a long time and we all know the consequences and how that ended, says uh, Tom. God, indeed, we're doing the last thing we need coming out of a pandemic is to go into a, a world war. Uh, thanks for your WhatsApp, Tom, to 0862-103-103. Our lines are open at 0818-103-103. A break in news at 12 midday. Cork today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We were talking about fly tipping and dumping in the last hour with Senator Malcolm Byrne who's trying to get this legislation through that will allow councils to use CCTV footage, car registration identification technology and also use drone uh, footage to try to catch people that are actually doing it. And he actually mentioned mattresses and the way mattresses can be dumped. Somebody obviously was listening to that and sent me in a photograph that I'm assuming that has been taken either today in the last few days of a mattress dumped uh, on the side of a ditch in Kilcorny. Somebody went to the effort of, and you can't walk along a road out in beautiful Kilcorny with a mattress so somebody had to go to the bother of either having in a van or a trailer or in the back of some kind of a car and maybe even had some help. Shocking that they didn't just bring it to a civic amenity site instead. Morning Patricia, did I hear this correctly? That the M8 is going down to one lane southbound from the 27th of January which is tomorrow. Uh, who do I contact to check this out? Well, I can tell you exactly what is going on. There is a number of significant changes that have been made to, in relation to traffic this week. It's part of the ongoing Dunkettle Interchange Upgrade Project. Traffic on the M8 southbound will be diverted onto one of the recently completed bridge structures for the first time that's happening this weekend. And then the preparatory works will mean that from 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, third. Thursday, the Ibis Slip Road 
will be closed temporarily. They reckon that's for 10 days and signposted diversions will be in place locally. And then the M8 southbound that you're referencing in your WhatsApp on approach to the interchange, that will be reduced to one lane and they say some delays are expected. I imagine at rush hour in the morning and in the evening time there will be a lot of delays there. And if you're looking for more information, you can go to dunkettle.ie. Dunkettle.ie. But yes, you did hear that correctly. It is kicking in from tomorrow. Can I go back to some of your just amazing sayings that people are sending in. Ones that some people say they still use but others are just conjuring up memories of sayings that they remember their parents using or they remember their grandparents using. Now, too many unfortunately for t- us to get through all of them but we just want to get to some of them because they really are great. Phyllis in Dunmanway says Did you ever hear the saying that there's no bone in the tongue but it broke many a man's jaw? That's that's. So true, and no, I've never heard of it. No bone in the tongue, but it broke many a man's jaw, which really really is stop before you think and be kind with your words uh, as well. That's the crack now, she said, with one leg on the dresser. I I have absolutely no idea. (laughs) <laughs> where you're going from uh, with that one. My dad used to say, keep in by the walls and mind the ditches. In other words, he was telling us to be careful when we were out. And another one, the apple didn't fall far from the tree. Our kind cat, kind kitten, referring to a child being just like their parents. The apple didn't fall far from the tree. I certainly have heard the kind cat, kind kitten, a new one on me. The Nestor says, Patricia, you probably won't be able to read this one out. I will and I hope it doesn't offend anyone. But my husband used to say about if, if somebody said, ah, but if, ah, but if. My husband used to say, if your aunt had balls, she'd be your uncle. That's from uh, Esther. Say, Audrey says, the saying that my dad used to have was, idle hands get into trouble. And he always used to say, home sweet home and fire out. I've heard the home sweet home. I don't know what the fire out one is. Here's a great one. He'd peel an orange in his pocket. And I'm assuming that's somebody who's really mean and doesn't want to share. So he'd peel the orange in his pocket so that you wouldn't be able to uh, see him do it, do it and he couldn't share it with you. Uh, Patricia, you can't plough a field by turning it over in your mind. You can't plough a field by turning it over in your mind. That's from Mike and it means don't overthink a job. If you have a job that you have to do, go out and do it because you can't plough a field turning it over in your mind. Hi Patricia, I'm originally from Dublin. My parents used to say just for pig iron I used to say it a lot and I noticed that people from Cork would say, what does that mean? So maybe not used as much here. And what does it mean? Just for pig iron. It means to do something just for the heck of it. You know, I'm going out to... What am I going out to do? I'm going out to... I'm out for a long walk. Why are you going out for a long walk? Just for pig iron. Just for the sake of uh, doing it. How are you? Okay, here's some sayings in from a listener. If somebody says, how are you? How are you? How are you? How are you doing? Overground is the answer. Eastern wind, wind is an undertaker's friend. Never heard that. A few sandwiches short of a picnic. Absolutely love that one. The rafters don't go all the way to the top. And I'm assuming that's for somebody who's a little bit not very intelligent, uh, is it? Uh, fe- fake Aaron Eig Lash. It's look, uh, and my Irish isn't great. It's a direct Irish translation, which is look, would you look at the face on him? A lovely use of how the Irish people use the Eng- Eng- English language. I have heard that. Would you look at the face? Or the other one I would have heard was um, 
Would you look at the head on him? Which is similar to, a, would, would you look at the uh, face on him? Micah says, how, how are you doing, Patricia? I'm actually laughing out loud at some of the sayings that you're recounting this morning, but I still have a few of them myself to share with you. So much meaning and so very dis- descriptive. One my late aunt used to say about a lady who never married was, the best china was never taken off the shelf. Isn't that a really sweet saying? The best china was never taken off the shelf. Another one was about a cranky woman. She'd strip paint with her tongue. And God, we all know people like that. Another one my father had, if he was talking about a really snooty person, he would say, and there's no smell off there, Pooh. I'm enjoying your programme, says uh, Michael. Okay, have I another one of that one is gone. Okay, give me one final one for me. These are from the WhatsApp. Nature breaks out through the eyes of a cat. You can see what a person is like by their eyes. Nature breaks out through the eyes of a cat. Hmm. That's a, I haven't heard that one either. Thank you for that. Uh, Brendan was on. He's as drunk as a skunk. That's a good old one. Jim and Clonakilty. When dust rises to blind you, when dust rises to blind you. What does that mean? According to our Jim and Clannacilty, it means somebody that came from nothing and then they made something of their lives. When dust rises to blind you. And then uh, Michael, on old phases, you will never tame, you will never tame a wild bird. No, you'll nev- you will never a tame bird in it. You'll never find, is it? You'll never find a tame bird in a wild bird's nest. I think there's a word missing on that, which means wild people hang out together and quiet pe- quieter people also hang out together. Sheila said he'd live in your ear and he'd rent out the other one. That's describing somebody that was very mean. Sheila also had another one saying, as you are now, so once was I and as I am now, so you shall be. Uh, that you would directly say to somebody who a younger person about getting older as you are now so once was I and as I am now so you shall be that's that's a, a really good and what a true true saying Sheila Siobhan said necessity complies complies an old woman to uh, to trot uh, Daniel says when somebody was single for ages and then they met somebody that they were very like for example they were very like in humour or maybe they were very like in meanness they would say each meet their own Nora in Bishopstown says what's in the cat is in the kitten and that means genetics will always pass on Teresa love this one I'm going to use this one I'm going to find a place to use this Teresa said champagne ideas on lemonade money Oh, I've never heard that. That's terrific. And Teresa also said, and again, this is a new one on me that John Paul had to explain it to me. Small boats stay nearest the shore and those with bigger boats can venture further offshore. And it's to do with people, some people having wealth and others not having wealth. Those who have wealth, like those in the bigger boats, their offspring can venture further away and maybe go to university and maybe leave an area where smaller boats where the people with less income they have to stay nearest the shore maybe don't ever get to leave their area at all because they can't afford uh, to do it. And Dennis had one for us that certainly made me uh, smile. If his brains were dynamite he wouldn't blow off his cap. (laughs) somebody is just absolutely good for nothing and wouldn't wouldn't work for anything uh, for you and some of your texts that have come in to uh, us all arse and no trousers I don't quite know that is that 
Is that somebody who's living beyond their means? I wonder. I, I don't know. Uh, Patricia, you mentioned a saying earlier about being unlucky and that was the one to do with the soup. If it was raining soup, I'd have a fork was a couple of people had sent in. Well, there was also one if somebody was very lucky. If you were describing somebody that was very lucky, says Mick in Butterford, what you'd say about the person was if he fell out a window, he'd fall. It's up he'd go. If he fell out a window, it's up he would go. Mary G, thanks Mick. Mary G says, the younger the chicken, the sweeter the picking. The younger the chicken, the sweeter the picking. Not quite sure on that one, Mary G. Neve in Cork on old sayings. Which I love the saying, he or she would take the eye out of your head and then they'd come back for the eyelashes. It used to be said about people who were very ruthless. Does anybody, would anyone use a saying like that today? What a glorious descriptive saying as well. Now, I, do you agree or disagree with this one? Your daughter is your daughter for all of your life. Your son is a son until he takes a wife. I can't agree with that because I've got a wonderful daughter. Uh, daughter-in-law but others maybe others will maybe agree with that as cute as a fox a mutton dressed as lamb that's Stephen and Mallow's uh, offering and mourning some expressions and meanings thank you there's no name on this but thank you for that you know the saying it's raining cats and dogs well this listener says that comes from hiding under the thatch and then f- the cats and dogs would fall off when it was raining. So the cat or a dog in a house would hide in under the thatch. The cats in particular you could see doing it because they'd be lovely and warm but then if it started to rain they wouldn't want to get wet and they'd fall out. So it's raining cats and dogs. Saved by the bell. It came from, according to this listener, a bell was tied to the surface of a grave. If it rung, it meant that the person wasn't dead and was saved. So the grave diggers had to dig him up and, and take him out. That's what saved by the bell is. And it's also in reference to the graveyard shift because the graveyard shift was the person who would stay in the graveyard to see if the bell would ring and would they have to dig up anyone? I wonder is that coming from famine times or, or what? But thank you. Great explanations for some of those old uh, sayings. Hi, Patricia. I still use the saying I'm going to see a man about a dog and I would especially use it if I was going out for a pint. A pint, And I still use the saying stuck between the devil and the deep blue sea. And, and, and I also use the saying it's as much use as an ashtray on a motorbike. And that's from uh, Mick. Thank you, Mick. My grandmother would always say, may the good luck have you. And God speed the traveller. God speed the traveller. Does does anyone would anyone say that when you're you might say, yeah, God speed the traveller. Yeah, I don't know the, the traveller probably wouldn't be, be just a safe journey or whatever. But God speed the traveller and may the good luck uh, have you. Another one says this is from Phil. Another one for you, for you. She'd skin an earwig for a halfpenny. She'd skin an earwig for a halfpenny and I'm assuming that's somebody who is really, really meat, mean and tight. Live and let live, says somebody else. A hundred toes up. Does anybody know if you heard about somebody he's a hundred toes up? It means that somebody has died. And this one really made me, this one really made me laugh out loud. I remember, says this texter, when I was in my teens, if you were going out with a boy or a girl, you're Friends would reference it and you'd say you were doing a line. Does everybody remember that? You were doing you were doing a line, courting, and it moved to I'm doing a line. Well, I was collecting my teenage daughter from school one evening and she was with some of her friends and I noticed that one of them was talking with an, another young lad and I asked, is that girl doing a line? Well, you should have seen the way my daughter and her friends looked at me. And she said, ma'am, 
you can't say that. I found out that day that doing a line means doing drugs. Yeah, having a line of cocaine. But the innocence, doing a line in your day, very different to today's generation. You certainly would not be asking any young person today, are they doing a line? Because you would certainly get uh, strange looks. Brendan said he's as drunk as a skunk. Um, oh yeah, and I got, I got to those ones. Okay, thank you. That's just a sample of some of the many. We literally, we must have got hundreds of them in. And for people who came to this late and wondering, what are we doing talking about all of these old uh, sayings it's because a survey has come out of adults and they were they were old sayings were put to them to ask how many new different uh, sayings and there is now fear that a lot of the old fashioned slang is simply dying out because a lot of them are rarely used in modern conversations and you have a younger generation coming up who are the emoji generation and that they're using emojis instead of that wonderful descriptive language that was used by our parents and grandparents and it would be a real shame if we lost some of the gems that we have been mentioning today uh, for sure. Thank you for people who took time out to contact us. Our lines are open 0818 103 103. You can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie Bingo is going ahead tonight. It's in Ballinine and Eskeen. It's got a half eight start and it's in the Village Inn. And staying with Bingo, this week's Bingo books for the Kildarri Home Bingo are on sale. And Bingo returns to Bandon GAA Club. That's happening tomorrow night, Thursday. That's at nine o'clock. Bandon Further Education and Training Centre. They're offering free gardening courses at their Poly Tunnel. That's at the Bandon Allotment. Courses run on Tuesdays and you can select a time that suits you. They have classes starting in the morning from 10am to 12 and then they have an afternoon session from 1pm to 3. You can contact 086-823-9094 for further details. Or you can email raymond.oregan at Cork etb.ie and a reminder that the Cope Foundation are appealing for people to support their fundraising campaign by taking part in their walk 300,000 steps challenge for the month of February you can check out their Facebook for further details or you can go to the Cope Foundation Facebook page Court Today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor home business farm life and health insurance cmig.ie Now last December we spoke with our next guest Patrick O'Sullivan from Glanmire he had just won the RTE show Last Singer Standing Patrick now hopes to move on to an even bigger competition because He's been shortlisted. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. To represent Ireland in this year's Euro Song, which will select our song for the Eurovision Song Contest, Patrick O'Sullivan joins me. Good afternoon to you, Patrick. Hello, how are you doing? I'm very well and congratulations to you first for getting this far in, in this competition. Can you tell me how this all came about? I can, yeah. So I was doing um, The Last Thing or Standing on RTE and that was kind of all being released um, just coming up to Christmas. And Nikki Byrne um, of Westlife was presenting that show and Nikki had been doing some writing um, with uh, Danny Riley from The Coronas and Larkay from All Twins at the time. And then Nikki kind of heard me singing and, and got to know me. And then it all just kind of uh, happened um, really serendipitously. Really, He heard me and he thought that he had this brilliant song. And they weren't quite sure what the next journey for that song was going to be. And then we just said that I might just cut a demo of it, that it might be a really good song for Eurovision for Ireland. Um, so we cut it and it sounded great. And I absolutely bit his hand off at the opportunity to do it because I've been a a lifelong Eurovision fan. I absolutely adore it. So I was thrilled to do it. Yeah. So when I spoke with you after you won last singer standing, did you know at that stage that you were putting it in for the for the Eurosong? There was mm. uh, an inclination oh, that it might happen. Okay. Was not a okay. Done, yeah. So I was playing my cards so much at the time. Yeah. Okay. But so the, so uh, but yeah. so the song had to be had to be entered in, and I mean there was thousands of entries went in. Yeah, there was. I mean, it's a, I mean, it's a huge thing in Ireland. Like, and I think especially in the last couple of years, it's really kind of come back alive in terms of people. You know, it's 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 a really, you know, it's a cool thing now. You know what I mean? Like, all my friends watch it, and all my 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 family watch it, and it's it's kind of coming. I think for a couple of years there, it has kind of dipped in 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 you know, um, in popularity. But people seem to be really getting on board with it. I think especially now after the last couple of years that we've had. People just need that kind of escapism that the Eurovision can offer. You know what I mean? It's just pure, unadulterated fun. You know what it I mean? Is. It's, it's a, a yeah. great watch. Listen, you don't have to sell it to me. I'm one of the biggest Eurovision <laughs> fans uh, going. Even the time when it went off and people didn't like it, I was still swooning about the uh, Eurovision. Do you believe, Ireland, that we can get back to our winning ways? I absolutely do. I really do. Like, I mean, the thing about it, like, Ireland did well for so many years because Ireland has, like, the culture of storytelling and songwriting in this in Ireland goes back 
way longer than the Eurovision does. I mean, that's just part of, of, of Ireland's heritage. You know what I mean? We're good at it. We have always been good at it, and we're internationally known for being good at it. So I think we have to kind of embrace what Eurovision has become because it has, you know, it has evolved so much over the last couple of years. It's now so much more than just a song contest. It's a whole event. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a whole spectacle, and it, it's the entire performance is what is what's considered now. It's no longer just about a song, which I think is great. Mm. I think that's just, that's just, that's just moving with times and that's just how modern music and performance is and I'm, and I'm all for it. But I always think the cream rises to the top. I mean, a good song. We, there, there has yeah, well, been so, have have, you have to have a good song yeah. at the end of the day. You have to have both. That's the thing. If you haven't got a good bass, then you can put all the bells and whistles on it that you like, but you have to have a good song, a good hook that people like and sticks in your head and that, you know, connects with people. And I'm going to play your song now in a co- in a, a couple of, of minutes. Uh, but just to talk about the actual night, which is Friday week, isn't it? It's the 4th of February. 4th yeah. of February, Friday week. OK, there's six songs through at this stage. Yeah, there are. Have you heard the others? <laughs> I have. So I'm actually up in Dublin at the moment. We've been doing a little bit of um, of preparation work and, and that type of thing for the show. And they're all they're all cracking songs, and we've we've all really got on very well over the last couple of days, kind of getting to know each other and everything. But what I will say is that Cork hasn't had someone in the Eurovision since 1979 with Eamon Cahill. Now, I really think we need to remedy that Absolutely. because I think <laughs> I think Absolutely. it's been long enough now since we've had those from Cork. And, and even from Munster in general up there and, and representing, you know. Well, we were in the office yesterday, myself and John Paul, listening to your song and we said we have to, we obviously have to listen to the others as well. Yeah, I think you, you've got a really, I don't want to jinx it, but I think you've got a really, really strong uh, chance. How does the song get chosen on the night? So there's going to be, um, there's kind of three elements to it. There's the public vote, um, which is going to be, um, you know, a vote in from, from people watching. And then there's going to be um, a national jury and then there's going to be an international jury. So those people are made up of people who are Eurovision fans and are kind of clued into that. Okay. So the aim is to try and pick, uh, is to try and get as broad a range of opinions as possible to try and really give Ireland the, the best chance of, of getting back its glory. But like, if you look at the pedigree of the people who've written this song, like you've got Nicky Byrne from Westlife, you've got Danny O'Reilly from The Coronas and you've got Lars Kay from, from All Twins. Like, that's, that's about as good as it gets, really, in mm. terms of the Irish music industry. You know what I mean? I'd say you can't. You, you, are you finding the whole thing unbelievable? It's mad because I've <laughs> I've known for quite a while, really, and and all these things you kind of need to keep them to yourself until they're they're announced and all that. So I've been listening to this song, you know, over and over and over again, just to myself as an MP3 on my phone, and now to hear it on the radio and it, you know it's online and it's going to be on the telly. It's, just an incredible opportunity and for me like the Eurovision itself to, to represent your country in the Eurovision is like is as high an honour as, as I can imagine because I've never been someone who's been uh, particularly sporty and into that type of thing but the Eurovision is that one time of the year when my interest you know music theatre all that stuff that's kind of my World Cup you know what I mean when I get mm. <laughs> yeah, you're, well, you're, you're, and your talent can, can shine and you're so used to performing on stage so I, I take it you're not going to be phased by walking out onto a Eurovision set I, yeah I mean I'm well used to it I've been performing I mean for as long as I can remember I started when I was 10 doing Oliver in the Opera House and then I've done all sorts of bits in Ireland and then after my leaving cert I went to London and I've been in the West End now for about seven years now, which has been 
fantastic and I've and I've loved every minute of it. So I'm I'm well used to performing and, and the idea of doing Eurovision that I mean, you know, it's it's the Super Bowl, it's it's absolutely the um you know, it's the dream, really. Yeah. It's as big a, a, a platform as you can get. As you say, it's your it's it's your World Cup. When I was speaking to you in, ja- in December, you were in the Book of Mormon. Yeah, so um, I was doing the Book of Mormon um, up until the start of the pandemic. And then just, you know, one day at, at our warm-up, our company manager came down and said, look, we, we can't do the show. We're going to have to, we're going to have to call it quits. Um, and the show is, has has reopened now again, but I'm um, I decided not to go back to. Okay. I really want to try to create some just some opportunities for myself to, to to have have work and perform and sing in Ireland because doing shows in in the West End is great, but the the, the schedule is grueling. Like mm. you're, you're doing a show six days a week, and then there's no such thing as a night off, you know, or even for a wedding or a, whatever it might be. It's so hard. So my real goal this year is to try and get back home and try and get a good footing in in the music industry here. And I feel really, really lucky that I've had this kind of opportunity given to me. Well, Donna, I mean, you've certainly hit the ground running since you won the last singer standing. So this is the perfect uh, opportunity for you. And did I read in one of your bios, uh, besides being a Eurovision fan, I was a massive fan of Meatloaf. Were you in Bat Out of Hell, the musical? I was, yeah. Uh, Absolutely incredible! Like that show meant more to me than you can than than it's, than I can kind of explain really because it was the first time that I was kind of a lead in a show. First off, so that has been a lifelong dream of mine. But also, I had listened to Meatloaf's music kind of growing up and all that, and my dad was a big fan. But I had never really kind of sat down and listened to the music, and it had just it's incredible music. Like I sang that music every night for twelve months, literally every night, and sometimes twice a night oh. and I still there's still so much in it I still find new bits that I love in it and I still listen to it to this day in the car like, which is, which yes. is incredible and, to, th- and to think now both Jim Steinman and Meatloaf are gone yeah I know but you know what I think actually the musical is such a fantastic legacy for them because when they wrote Battle of Hell the original album they actually wrote it as a musical when they were in college together but no one had any interest in it so they kind of reinvented it and put it back together as the, the rock album that everyone knows and loves and then when it had when they had all this acclaim they said right well maybe now we can actually do what our original plan was which mm. was to put it together in a musical which is why it's all you know so theatrical and works so well and you you performed that in did you tour with that as well or did you just perform it in so, London um, no so I was in the original cast of it so you kind of start them off and, and often what they'll do is they'll kind of do a a kind of a soft opening is what they call it and you do that and we did that in Manchester for a couple of months and then it moved to the West End and then we went to um, to Toronto and we did it there for a couple of months and then back into the Dominion in the West End again Brilliant. Um, Brilliant. and it's still running now it's touring now that's great it's fantastic okay listen back to what we brought you on for Eurosong now you're uh, and, and I'm about to, I'll, I'll play the song it's One Night One Kiss One Promise is it? Is, it, is that the full that's title or is, that's the full title because <laughs> it's, up, it's up on my screen just as One Night and I said I think it's more than that so One Night One Kiss One Promise listen Patrick we wish you the very best of luck we will certainly be voting for you from here in Cork it is Friday week part of the late late I take it is it is that the way it's normally it done? It is, yeah. It's, yeah. A, the, it's a late-based show, yeah. Okay, yeah. B- break a leg and we will look forward to talking to you live from the Eurovision. That would be the ultimate goal. Listen, Patrick, well, thanks, thanks a million. Thanks a million for joining us. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
It's Patrick O'Sullivan and that's his entry into Eurosong, one of six songs. He's the only Cork uh, entrant, by the way. Another five songs for you to hear and they will be on Friday week is when we will select our song that will represent Ireland in the Eurovision Song Contest in May in Turin. The best of luck to Patrick O'Sullivan. One night, one kiss, one promise. Nicky Byrne, Lar K and Danny O'Reilly are the composers. Did you like that? I happened uh, to like it. And actually that's my second time hearing it. And you know a song? Because we played it yesterday in the office and hearing it the second time I already have the tune and I think that's always a good sign. Do I have time some more for some more of your sayings? I do because just so many of them uh, are coming uh, in. Uh, Do write and fear no man. Don't write and fear no woman. That's not to put anything down on paper as a woman would turn on you and use it as evidence. Do write and fear no man. Don't write W-R-I-T-E obviously and fear no woman. Jerry in Middleton the cart before the horse. Uh, Trisha Blackpool uh, you'll, you'll meet yourself coming back and that's in relation to somebody who's rushing about. Gresha in Crookstown says if that fella's brains were made out of chocolate he wouldn't have enough to fill two smarties. <laughs> that's self-explanatory. I don't even need to explain that one Greta. Mary in Kilbehny Put a beggar on a horseback and he'll go mad. Now, John Paul had to ask Mary to explain that. It's if somebody who's been very poor and suddenly they come into wealth or they go up in life, that if they come into money, they can go a little bit mad. Put a beggar on a horseback and he'll go mad. The old dog for the hard road and the pup for the puddle. I've heard the old dog for the hard road and the pup for the puddle. For the puddle, It's in relation to young and old and life experience. And I love this one from Nancy. If she fell into a sewer, she'd come up smelling of roses. It's a person who always seems to land on their feet. Gone from the fire, from the fire pan into the fire. The frying pan into the fire was the one we used to uh, use. And watch, bef- watch before you leap. People in glass houses shouldn't throw uh, stones I don't think I've ever heard that watch, watch before. The, but I've certainly heard of the people in glass houses uh, shouldn't uh, shouldn't throw stones. Anne says, and Denine says, Patricia, the apple never falls far from the tree and the old dog for the long uh, road. Just a thought on another one, says somebody else. Keep a cool head and dry drawers. It means to uh, keep uh, calm. And this one, she's a gr- she has grand lips for cooling soup. That's <laughs> She's grand lips for cooling. Uh, <laughs> and this one, she's a face like a slapped arse. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Let me just quickly go back just to some more that are coming in because some of them are just too uh, good uh, not to uh, mention. Firstly, somebody said, oh my God, that song is fabulous. This is from Elizabeth. It's got all the right notes for Eurovision. It's a powerful ballad, so to speak. And it's what Ireland does best. Yeah. And we've, we've got, Patrick has one hurdle to get over. He's got to win Eurosong before it will be our entry into the Eurovision Song Contest. But listen, it, he, I think he's got a really, really good shot at it because we listened to some of the others uh, yesterday and I think he could do do really, really well uh, with it. Okay, Stephen from uh, County Kerry says, Trisha, I've heard variations of a lot of the sayings that you're calling out today, but one of my favourites are, a lot of the shadows in life are caused by standing in your own sunlight. A lot of the shadows in life are caused by standing in your own sunlight. What a gorgeous, gorgeous saying. And the smaller the cottage, the wider the door. 
Thanks for that, uh, Stephen. Hope you're keeping well. It's a good day, so somebody is saying. It's a good day when you can get up, stretch out and not touch timber and fur coat and no knickers. Another one says, and Anne was, small rabbits have big ears and that means never say anything in front of small uh, children. And Anne also remembers her aunt used to always say that you shouldn't put a sock out in a westerly wind as it would bring in all the germs from the east. I have no idea. <laughs> No idea what your aunt was all about there. Uh, um, you won't find any low-hanging fruit on him, says Jared, And it's basically a description to say that somebody is very mean. Uh, somebody's as thick as a double uh, ditch. That is from a different Anne. Hi, Patricia. An old saying, you're like a bungalow with nothing upstairs, says uh, John. Okay, and some of the texts that have come in on, on this. Um, hi, Patricia. Have you ever heard the saying, he's as useful as a chocolate fire guard and it's well the one I've heard is he's as useless as a chocolate uh, teapot so it's kind of it's the uh, same thing the saying cut your cloth to your measure Uh, is that still see I'm just hoping that people people will still use these that they'll be gone for good now what's good for the goose is good for the gander I would have had that as what sauce for the goose is sauce for the gander so it's the same thing we mentioned as a daughter is a daughter all of your life. A son is a son till he takes a, a wife. Uh, Anne says, I have two lovely daughter-in-laws and they're like daughters to me. So I disagree with that saying. Virginia says, but for the grace of God, go I. No, I do use that. It means it, it could happen to anyone. And the bee's knees and the cat's pyjamas. Hi Patricia, my late husband used to say, to describe a very distant relative, their dog barked in our yard. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you thank you Matt he laughs last laughs longest they wouldn't give you the steam of their pee to boil your egg that's from Nora in Newmarket now I have heard that saying they wouldn't give the steam of their and they use the more common term for pee but I've never heard of it uh, to boil your egg and lots of people on it they'd mind mice at the uh, cro- at, at the cross crossroads number of people are in uh, with that one my mother used to say there's ears in the bushes and I'm assuming that's to do with nosy neighbours is it and be careful who you are uh, talking to maybe that's that's what that's got to do anyway that's just a selection of some of the ones that have come in thank you to each and every one who took time out uh, to uh, to message us uh, this morning and by the way Eileen in Kentuck was listening to the fishermen uh, that we spoke about earlier and the fact that they're going out protesting they plan to go to protest against uh, the Russians, Agnes uh, says, I really do admire those uh, fishermen's, fishermen that are going to go and protest. I hope none of them will get hurt and that's our prayer and our wish for all of them that each and every one of them come back safe. So I leave you touch tomorrow 10. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie Normally being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.